Welcome to Playthink, conversations about games, interactivity, art, and culture. This podcast is recorded live at the USC Game Innovation Lab, which is part of the USC Games program at the University of Southern California. For more information, follow us on Twitter at USC Game Lab or visit our website at gameinnovationlab.com slash playthink. Welcome, everyone, attendees, panelists. Um, this is our first uh, uh, Playthink uh, salon being done via Zoom. So this is a really special occasion for us. And please excuse us for any mishaps that might happen because uh, it is our first time running a webinar for the salon. Uh, generally, this is a much more intimate event where we sit around in, on couches and talk about games and play. Um, but today we are sitting on uh, on Zoom and doing it, and hopefully we will have an equal amount of fun. Uh, you don't think this is intimate, Tracy? What, it has its more moments. And Richard Lamartian in his underwear. <laughs> we can't see it, but we... I'm wearing shorts, Eric. Don't make me okay, get my knees out. So for those of you on the podcast, everybody who's been talking, let me identify them for you. We have with us this evening uh, the amazing Eric Zimmerman, game designer extraordinaire, professor at NYU Game Center, and my dear friend, uh, who will be speaking with us about um, The Infinite Playground, which is a book that he co-edited um, with Celia Pierce and uh, which was co-written between the amazing Bernie DeCoven and Holly Gramazio. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about the book and how it came together and its themes. Um, but I also want to let you know that uh, uh, with us in Zoom are also my uh, co-organizers of this year's PlayThink uh, um, uh, salon, and that would be Richard Lamarchen, who's hello, already folks. jumped hi, in. Hi. Yes, hello, Richard, and Jane Pinkert. Hello, Jane. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and our uh, wonderful student assistant, Jacob Ruttenberg, who's uh, handling sound for us. Hey, pleasure to be here. Awesome. So um, without further ado, I would just love to jump into this book. I literally would love to jump into this book. Right. Uh, this book is um, a beautiful piece of work. And um, it's something that when I read, uh, having been a, a friend of Bernie's. Um, I think I told Richard, we were out hiking when I was reading it. Um, I think I told him that I could hear Bernie's voice coming through the pages mm. to me. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to sort of wrap myself up in that wonderful, mm -hmm. astute, um, playful, funny, um, just a wonderful voice. Um, one more time. So uh, might cry. So um, so we're here today to talk about the, the Infinite Playground, um, which has the lovely, lovely subtitle, A Player's Guide to the Imagination. Um, so Eric, for those who don't know, who aren't about to cry, because <laughs> I know Brittany so well, and so do you, but maybe uh, a number of our attendees and, and folks on the podcast aren't as familiar with Bernie and his work. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us a little bit bit about him and the book and and how it came into existence. Yeah, I'd love to. And also just to say, Tracy, really happy to be here um, and uh, and take part on uh, on the show. And um, so lovely to, to, to see you all um, and and to talk about the Infinite Playground. Um, Bernie de Coben was really an extraordinary 
man who passed away uh, a little over a year ago. Um, and he's a little bit hard to categorize, like a lot of the most interesting people. Um, he was a game designer, but not really in the way that we talk about it today. He wasn't, well, he did make some published commercial games. That wasn't really the main thing that he did. Um, he was an educator, although he wasn't a professor or a, or a formal school teacher, but he was always um, uh, advocating for and kind of running workshops and educating people about playing. Um, Bernie emerged out of, uh, with a background in theater. Um, he, he came to sort of study children and ended up kind of inventing his own path through his sort of personal and professional life. And that involved doing things like uh, creating the Game Preserve, which was a um, sort of a outpost, I think in Pennsylvania, I'm thinking somewhere, uh, where there was like a huge, sort of a retreat uh, uh, research kind of think tank hippie playground dedicated a farm to right a farm, yeah, a farm games. Yeah. it's like a yeah. game designer's paradise right exactly yeah dedicated to play mostly physical play um where they i held workshops and and think tanks and probably encounter groups and things like that um bernie also became very involved with the new games movement which was a movement in the 60s and 70s founded by Stuart Brand, who's known for being the, the uh, sort of organizer of the Whole Earth Catalog. And uh, if you've seen those books, the new games and more new games, Bernie has writings in them. And um, he was very kind of instrumental in that, in that movement. I first encountered Bernie through a book that he wrote called The Well-Played Game. Um, when I first started teaching game design with Frank Lance in, in New York City at NYU back in the, in the early 90s, we were like, okay, we want to, we started, we, we were young game designers and we didn't really know what it meant to teach a class. So we just kind of typed it into the school library uh, and a bunch of books came out, including uh, the well-played game that we sort of took off the shelf and read for the first time. And it, it's, a, it's an, an extraordinary book uh, written in a similar style to the Infinite Playground, very informal, very jokey, but, but full of insight for its subject, which, which is really about um, what it means to to play games in a particular way, what it means to play a game well. And it's sort of the, it's hard to summarize, but in a nutshell, he's, he's writing about the idea that a game is played well when we all feel um, open and free to be able to change it to suit our needs. So that a game isn't a thing that's fixed. The rules of a game are something that we can evolve. The experience of a game is something that we can evolve so that we can enjoy the experience of playing, playing well together. Um, and Bernie um, was a, a little bit discovered by the game industry. Um, and I had, think I had a little bit to do with that um, and others did as well, um, including some of my collaborators on the book like Celia Pierce and, and yourself, Tracy. Um, and he became embraced by video game designers as well in the later part of his career and giving keynotes at the Digital Games Research Association and, and traveling to schools, to your school, to my, to my school at NYU where I teach. Um, and so, you know, Bernie, Bernie really, um, I think, passed away, but with a sense that his work was kind of picked up by, by later generations of people that are involved in, in, in play and design. So he's, you know, in terms of the kinds of stuff that he did, you know, Bernie loved playing sort of playground games. So that's kind of his, his um, stock and trade. And I had the really, the privilege and honor of being present at, at a number of play sessions that, that he ran and sometimes co-running them with him. Um, and 
yeah, he he was really someone who, you know, that sort of thing that writers say, show, don't tell, right? He was kind of like, let's not talk about it. Let's just do it. Let's <laughs> play. That, that so actually would, is one of my favorite memories of Bernie, what you just said right there, <clears throat> because you introduced me to Bernie. Hmm. I had been reading the new games book and I had been using it in my classes as well. And um, we were going to put, we had this idea that we were going to put on a new games day and we had, were studying all the games, you know, and we looked at all this literature and everything. And you said, well, you should talk to Bernie. He lives like down the street from you in Redondo <laughs> beach. Right. I said, well, <laughs> I didn't know that. So I wrote to him and Bernie came up and visited us. And we had a talk, we were switching out all the talk and we brought him in, we were very small and we had a you know bunch of us in the community, people like Kelly Santiago were there, Celia was there, myself and a bunch of other folks. And uh, we had our notebooks ready and we were ready to listen to the wisdom of Bernie. Right. <laughs> and, and he says, and he said, you people are too intellectual. Let's go outside and play. There's a green lawn out there and we are going to go learn about play. And he mm. took us all outside and we played beautiful games. And um, yeah, it, 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 that you're right. He's a show don't tell uh, kind of person. Right? right. Yeah. Right. And it, at the same time, I mean, yeah, he's, I guess sometimes you meet someone and you really feel that um, their, their spirit is kind of present. And when I say spirit, I don't necessarily mean a religious thing. I just mean sort of who they are, their whole being. It's kind of fully present in every moment that you engage with them. And I think that, you know, I've never met someone whose heart was bigger and who was kind of more genuine and more um, loving than Bernie. At the same time, he was also kind of like a trickster, right? He also was a little bit playful and a little bit of a, of a showman. I don't want to say hustler. I think that's probably going too far. But he, he, he also was aware that that, that that play is theater, right, is, is theater. As he might say, right? That he 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 wasn't afraid to kind of like sell the sell the the surface of what he was doing. But there's just there's such deep insight into what to, to his ideas and 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 his games. And yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll be talking about more some of them. But just just to I'm trying I'm trying to paint this portrait, which is which is hard. I, I think you've done a fabulous job. Um, I I, I think you really uh, his spirit has really come through this this. Uh, right. Um, introduction to him. Oh, and I know the last the last thing I'll say is that Bernie, like face to face, he's like a New York Jew. So he has he has this kind of like, oh, you're kind of sticky uncle who's, you know, talking to you and making dumb jokes and looking around and you know, you think he's not he's listening to you, but really he's listening very closely. You know, like he he had a such a funny, playful sort of your like your kooky uncle. Kooky you know? uncle, but yeah. who actually has tremendous wisdom to offer yeah. you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wearing hippie uh, overalls. Right. That that kooky runs deep. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So tell me about the, um, the group that brought the book together in the end with Bernie, because uh, Bernie died before the book was actually finished. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, I had started talking to Bernie about doing... Uh, a book based on some of his most recent writings um, in the last few years of his life. And he had collected um, manuscript. He had, he, he had been sort of doing blog posts and he kind of collected them into a manuscript. And, you know, we were talking about what he might do with them. And, you know, I was kind of reading drafts of it. And, you know, at a certain point, while we were kind of massaging drafts and 
We're thinking about who presses that he might approach and kind of getting it into shape. Um, he 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 let me know that he had had cancer and that you know he had a sort of a limited limited amount of time left. And you know we knew then that we, uh, I mean there was a kind of urgency to the project at that point. Um, Celia Pierce had been having similar conversations with him, and um, we knew that when he was diagnosed, I mean, I think he was very honest with us that he felt like he couldn't really, um, he, he was afraid that he didn't have the full energy and focus to like massage these kind of loose collections of very short essays and ideas into a finished book. He, he had done other books. So he, he's a published writer many times over. So he knows what's involved in, in bringing something to, to print like that. Um, so Celia and I started working with him and we, together worked out a deal with, with MIT Press and um, Celia uh, brought in Holly Gramazio, who's also a close friend of mine. Um, and Holly, who's a game designer and a talented narrative designer, so she's certainly no stranger to writing, but had never really written a book before. Um, she stepped in and worked very closely with Bernie. So the, the three of us worked with Bernie to really, to, to shape it and structure and organize it, but it was Holly that really dove in and did did really the surgery to to take out redundancies and and manage transitions and and smooth everything over and you know like i said it was a series of blog posts so there was a lot of, of that fill-in work to do and i think richard what you were saying just kind of as we were getting ready that and and actually tracy and jane you were also saying that you 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 hear bernie's voice when you read the book i mean it all of the ideas are Bernie's and the language is Bernie's, but I think it's a, it's an incredible testament to Holly that that her she's really in there invisibly, but you know with with like tr tremendous uh, I, I think um, I don't know I don't want to say an homage to Bernie, but she she worked with him, but she really she really was able to capture his voice and kind of extend it through the book, and I think that he he saw these later drafts. Um, and was was very happy with 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 where we had taken things. So, um, and I should also say that from the beginning, Bernie also was interested in saying this doesn't need to be about him. It you know he wanted to bring other people into the book. So one of the nice things is that um, there's a long list of contributors um, who who also made short mm -hmm. essays in the book too. And so we at Celia and I managed that process of working with all the contributors and and kind of weaving them into the book as well. Yes, that's, a re I mean, every single one of them has such a wonderful story, uh, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, just <clears throat> talking about the themes of the book, mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, I was rereading it actually before this, and <clears throat> the book, and Bernie says in the book, he says it's about imagination, right? right. Uh, but he says it's also a book about games, a book mm -hmm. about play, mm -hmm. a book about really playing in the real world, Right. And a book about imagining what it might be like to play in the real world. Right. And a book about how play and fun and imagination can change how we feel about right. each other, about the world, about ourselves. And I just, when I was reading this um, today, I was like, you know, the layers of this statement, first of all, the fact that it's all of these things right. and it's this and it's this and it's right. this and it's the opposite of this right um it's just classic bernie right that sort of layering of ideas upon right. ideas right. and i wondered if we might sort of unpack this this idea that it's about games about play about really playing in the real world 
about imagining what it might be like to play in the real world. Right. About how play and fun and imagination can change how we feel. Right. I mean, there's a, there is a lot going on there. And I think, yeah, a few things to say about that. First of all, there is an amazing metatextual voice that Bernie takes on. I mean, as, as playful and kind of sticky as that, as that is that, that throughout the book, you know, he, he's, he's constantly making asides. And I think he also says near the beginning, like, imagine that I'm talking to you as you read this, you know, that's exactly that I'm, I'm right here. Maybe it's not words on a page. Maybe it's us and we're having a conversation. And he comes like, bursting through the fourth wall in the yeah. very first paragraph of the book. He talks about how you're making these words together. Uh, right. I, yes, I was underlining that as well. This, mm-hmm. this whole notion about, you know, imagining that we're here together mm-hmm. um, making these words, right? right? And, and I, making what he calls, this is one of my favorites, a marvelous playground. Right. <laughs> a marvelous playground. <laughs> because I think for Bernie, he's, he's, I mean, at that moment, he's, he's pointing towards a lot of things, but also like the way that we, we find meaning and make meaning, you know? And I think that that both the way we sort of semiotically construct cultural meaning, but also the way that we, we make things that are meaningful to us in our hearts, you know? So he's, he's playing with that. He's, he's sort of saying like, what does it mean to read a book? You know, is are you reading the, the words of some dead person? Are you imagining your conversation? What if we imagine it differently, right? And that that gets to what the book is about. I think that that Bernie's overall orientation throughout his life is that play is connected to who we are, and that being playful is a way of coming to know ourselves and how we relate to each other in the world. And I really, there's no one who's influenced my thinking about games and game design more than, than Bernie DeCoven. And I think that that, that insight is just uh, extremely profound, you know? And I, I think people, people find different things about games, the, the, the formalist systems, the, the way that, that games can make provocative, you know, cultural interventions and things that Bernie is really, is, is and I think maybe in part his, his generation that he's coming out of and this sort of hippie new games movement, I don't, I don't mean that in a, in a pejorative way at all, um, but just to say that he's really coming from an era where people people spoke about kind of self-actualization and self, self-understanding self in a way that was very, very sort of holistic. Um, and that there's a, yeah, that there's a, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a kind of, um, uh, you know, that it's, it's earnest, but he's also constantly sort of like playfully undermining what he's saying, you know, and sort of like, trickling off around the edges into sort of self-questioning and, you know, just, just as these statements do. Absolutely. The lack of certainty at the very end of the book, he calls it a lack of a conclusion, right? right? right. That is sort of wonderful about it. He's not just saying this is, this is what a game is. This is what play is. And therefore I've said it and it is right. right. There's none of that. There's always this sort of mirroring back and reflecting back. And like you say, this questioning and, and playfulness in the very, uh, the very discussion of fundamentals, there's a playfulness and a fluidity in that that discussion of fundamentals. Right, right. And again, if you think about what for me is sort of one of his seminal ideas, which is that that we construct a play situation together, the players do. And whatever we do is done as a sort of expression of our community, social bond, uh, meaningful interaction together. And so that's, that, you know, as we negotiate that conversation, like 
even to play a traditional game like tic-tac-toe, you know, are you playing with a kid so that you might give them a little some strategy hints or let them take a take a uh, a move back on you? You know, are you are you playing it with a with a friend where you realize it might be more interesting to sort of tickle someone as they're about to make a move? And suddenly it becomes a game of, of the tickle tic-tac-toe, right? So so like, but but to him, it's like that's not playful variations on a game. That's the heart of gameplay. That is the gameplay. Yeah. Yes. The, the, the gameplay is the way that we shape play. Yeah, and time. what you're talking about for those in the audience who haven't read Bernie, um, he calls collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. He calls this 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 concept uh, this sort of sweet spot between the me and the we. So really right. honoring the me, right, and what I need from the game, and if I feel like playing or not, do I want to be tickled or not? Do I, you mm -hmm. know, and the we, which is this sort of um, you know, collective me's, right? And right. how the game uh, forges this play community between between right. the we's, right? And, and that has to be one of safety and trust and and of liberation of, of the way that the game brings out more in us than it would have if we just sat and separately read, read books, for example, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, and for me, this connects to some really, uh, not to get too heady, but connects to some really deep, uh, ideas in the philosophy of linguistics is, you know, uh, it's the ideas of Wittgenstein that, that meaning is created out here in the world, in the spaces mm -hmm. between us, right, in, in a collaborative process like the one you're both describing. Mm -hmm. So I think there's really deep resonance here. It is, and yet he's talking about it in terms of things like, you know, marbles, <laughs> right? And that's the, that's the beauty. That's right. The, that's this wonderful juxtaposition of the playground right. games and the deep philosophy. Right. right. And I, I, I think the focus of this book being imagination is sort of getting back to your original question, Tracy, about this imagining play and games and, you know, is that I think that sort of, this is kind of my take on the book, but I think part of the book is about how we imagine the world into being, right? That the, 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 the world is kind of um, co-constructed just, just as when you and I play, you know, as Richard says that we create meaning through collaboration or we, we, we play together through collaboration. And Bernie just says, look, that, that's reality. You know, that it's not games that aren't a special case of the world, that, that they're, they're, a, they're an instance and, a, and that helps illuminate the way that that reality actually is constructed. And, and so for him, setting up these situations where we can co-liberate a special collaboration where we can achieve that kind of self-knowledge and, 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 and playful collaboration. Um, if we can get there, then we can create a better world, a world that more suits the way we think it should be. You know, and I think for, so th it, it is a profoundly optimistic book. It is profoundly optimistic. In fact, he even, he quotes David Hume in the book. He says, nothing we imagine, it's absolutely impossible, right? Because we have imagined it, it is possible by definition, mm -hmm. right? And I, and, and, you know, I, I think that especially in times like today, that is a very powerful uh, message to, right. to, to be talking about when we are discussing play, which otherwise might seem to be frivolous in times like this, right? You know, literally Rome is burning outside my window, right? right. And right. I'm in here playing. And what, right. what does that say of me? I'm trying very hard to imagine 
a better world. Right. Well, I'll give you an example, you know, about the frivolity of this. And yeah, some folks are asking about the, the name of the book. We can almost see it behind Richard, but uh, it is the, the Infinite Playground um, with this um, lovely cover by Etta Knutman, who actually comes, comes from, the, from the NYU Game Center. Etta, thank you so much for the, uh, for the, for the cover design. Um, the, um, yes, thank you, Jane, I totally agree. Uh, so there's a, there's a game that, that Bernie describes near the very, very end of the book um, that his, uh, he, his, he said he learned from his wife, um, Rocky the Coven, uh, who's also who's also a, a close friend, and the game that Rocky plays is imagining is that when 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 someone is really frustrating you, like really pissing you off, um, and I think Bernie this this will resonate with LA folks when if Bernie uses the example of like someone you're someone is blocking you in traffic or driving too slowly or cutting you off cutting you off in traffic. I think it's cutting you off in traffic, for example, right? So the game that Rocky plays is imagine all of the all of the reasons why why they might have acted this way, yeah. right? With the idea of what what are the what are the what are the what are the things that could be happening in their life that are causing them to to behave this way? You know, are they are they under duress because they are working three jobs and they're rushing from one to the other? Is it that there's, you know, a friend of theirs is in the hospital and they're on their way to see them, right? Is it that, you know, is it, is it, is it something mild or is it something sort of extreme, right? And, and, and it becomes a, it, it, you know, what, you know, is it, is it maybe that they're, um, uh, you know, they're, they're distracted because I don't, I don't know, because they're, a close is, friend that they admire passed away, right? And is so it they're, an exercise, they're it's literally an exercise against social media, basically. It well, is an not, exercise of empathy. It's an empathy, right. And, and imagining a world in which that person has a reason for what they right. did. Right. right. And, it's a, yeah. and, it's a, and it's a really interesting example because it's we're in such a divisive time now. I think when you talk about like it's so frivolous to talk about play. Not only are there serious things, but there's like serious fights to be had. And this is all about finding someone that pisses you off. And then the game is hot, like brainstorming ways to be sympathetic with them, right? It's not just like coming up with one, it's like brainstorming the most, like what are the most, what are the most plausible, believable, deepest, most ridiculous things that might be causing them to, to behave this way. And it's, you know, it's, it is, you know, I've actually, this is maybe the game that's resonated the most with me. I actually, you know, I, I, I do this and I realize that, um, yeah, it's, we're quick to anger and quick to assume. And, you know, there's the, we tend to assume that things that, things that we do are because of circumstance, but things that other people do are because of our dispositional, that, exactly. that are because of who they are, right? Like that's sort of a, that's like a well-known psychological bias. And this game is basically a wedge against that. It's yeah. basically saying, no, you can think about other people as, as not because it's intrinsic in their nature to be jerks. There's also some external reason that's causing them to act. So what is it? Just imagine. And it's also not about introducing yourself to them or asking them or like, it's also, 
it's in your head, right? It's an imaginatory play, which is the crux of this book, because I think that's what makes it different from his other books, by the way, where the focus here is on imagination and play, Mm -hmm. right? And so this exercise you're bringing up, which is so deeply important that we, that we actually play that we need to play this game every day, right? right? Today, especially. Um, It is an exercise in imagining other worlds, other stories, uh, other people's pain in this case, right? And, and it's so critical, right? And it, it is a kind of play that we don't generally recognize as play in our society, right? And because we seem to have gravitated towards play that is very formal, very constructed, Mm. um, very much about a feedback loop of getting things, right? I mean, a lot of the games we play digitally are about these sort of juicy feedback loops where we give and we get, we give and we get, we give and we get, right? And in in these these really subtle, interesting games that he's proposing and that Rocky play, uh, these are not like I give and I receive, I give and I receive. These are, I imagine, and it blooms, things bloom out of them. They're very much about emergence, and this this uh, it's a very different kind of feedback cycle, if you will, right? Yeah. So, um, I want to. Um, we we have talked so quickly that I feel like we need to sort of um, uh, jump. So um, I want to talk about um, uh, the framework of, of the game. Of the book. Ready? One, One, two, three, jump, jump. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the framework of the game of the I keep saying but it is sort of a game to me of, of the book for just a moment right because because um first of all everyone should go out and buy it and read it um but but one of the things that this book does I think of it as like almost onion layers right um it it begins with the sort of um fundamentals of play with these fundamentals ideas of play which are sort of based in some of his earlier works they sort of um, sort of build on things from the well-played game and, and other writings. And then we begin to talk about things like the private imagination, right? And then we begin to talk about the shared Im- imagination. So we get we go from this private space of imaginary play to a place mm-hmm. where we are sharing our private play with others. Mm-hmm. And that we get to the idea of co-collaboration. Co- but then we go to two other places which are super interesting. One is the working imagination. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, really like how do we use our imagination in, we're starting to use it in the, in the world, in, in, in other places than just what are traditionally play spaces. And finally, towards the end of the book, we begin to talk about be, the idea of being in the world with, with our imagination and how mm-hmm. playful imagination um, uh, because it comes frames as almost like the essence of of being compassionate and moral in the world, right. Right. right? So that game you talked about is towards the end of the book, right? And 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 very much plays into this idea of being a compassionate, moral person in the world. And I want to just talk about this arc for a minute because it's it's super interesting to me. Like I think of it, it's almost like onion layers being put onto these fundamental ideas, right? Um, I'd love to talk about how this was structured, how this was laid out, and you know, how in the world did you get, did you choose all of these um, stories and games to right. go into these these different um, kind of layers? Well, 
that particular structure was something that, yeah, Holly and Celie and I worked with a lot. I think Bernie, uh, I, you know, I'm trying to remember, but I think there was some of that in Bernie's initial structure and the sort of the way that the that the ideas evolved. And we 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 I had lots of discussions with him, and the group had lots of discussions about the best way to, should it be all the ideas and then all of the games to play afterwards? Or, you know, should it be separate sections with some of each? And then where do the contributors go? So it's that kind of interesting structural way about how, how the ideas should should sort of unfold. Um, but I, I in, in the end, we decided to, to uh, as a group, to go with this kind of, um, you know, I, I guess the idea is that uh, I think that there is something for Bernie, um, that is very personal about imaginative play, right? That it it is so it does. There's a it is an internal life, let's yes. say, yeah. on some level. And so the idea that he's starting with this idea of playing by yourself. I also know that he he wanted to start the book with exercises that anybody could do. He exactly. Was, it feels like scaffolding. Right. He was afraid that if he started with oh, let's start with like group, big exercise. He was like, no one's gonna actually do them. But he, he knew that if he started with solo imaginative play exercises that you could actually do just there reading the book, just put the book down for a second, right? So, and then it gets to sort of smaller numbers of people and then rolls up into bigger. And then, you know, the, the, um, the, the work is more about creativity and, you know, uh, that sort of thing. But it, yeah, it, it, it basically, it's kind of like an expanding idea of, both, you know, where and how you're playing and also the kind of the relevance and importance of the play. That it's sort of you and then you and 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 friends and intimates and then it becomes you and workmates and then it becomes you and everybody, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what appealed to me about that because because when you're reading, you get used to doing the the, the little game exercises by yourself. Right. And then you feel like, oh, I must right. we'll find someone to do the other one, the next right. ones with, right? And then, right. oh, maybe I can take this to work and we can do these bigger ones um, mm -hmm. um, with with all my friends, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's a lovely format. And what I would like to suggest <laughs> based on that, that lovely format is that uh -huh. we try some of these little games. Um, uh yes eric's like yay yes, <laughs> this is eric's favorite forever. part right yeah so um you wanted to you wanted to play uh zen counting does that still sound good to you yeah yeah i think that i think that could work um do we we, we could play we could play with just the five of us or we could play we could add more people um, i i think it would be nice if we added some more some more people okay. or maybe, you know what why don't we play this one with the five of us and then we'll um be thinking the audience folks and um uh we will play a second game after this so if you would like to be called up on stage you can put your little blue hand up in the in the chat while we're playing and we'll we'll call several of you up on on stage to play uh the second game okay all right, so Eric, lead us uh, in, in Zen counting. Uh, okay, so this is, this is Zen counting, and maybe we may have to do a little improvisation to, to make it work on, uh, 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 on Zoom, but let's see. Okay, Bernie would love that. But this is the, yeah, uh, yeah obviously, right? So <laughs> this is the game that I, that I sometimes play uh, with, with my, with fundamentals games design classes that I teach um, as, a, as a very simple form of social play collaboration. Um, so here's how the game works. Now, normally we would 
lie down on the floor, get comfortable, close our eyes, but we can just close our eyes. I think probably it's better if we close our eyes for this. So, so my eyes are closed right now. Um, and so here's how the game works. Our goal is to count together. Let's say count to 10. We'll start with, with that. Not comfortable. And, and the way it works is that anybody can start. And the only rule is that the same person can't count twice in a row. So I can't say one, two, three. Okay. I say one, someone else would have to say two. I can jump in with three if I want or not, as the spirit moves me. But if two people speak at the same time, and, <laughs> and then we have to start over. So, so, if, so if there's any overlap, and I think we need to be generous with this uh, because, um, yeah, we, we, you can speak over someone and silence them. So we really have to listen for like, if we were a little bit close, then I think we need to we need to start over. If there's any overlap, can I give one of Bernie's hints? Because one of the first things he ever told me was, in games like this, we have to close your eyes. Yeah. If you feel afraid or anything, or if you feel like a little bit inhibited, or if you just feel like you you can always crack your eyes open a mm -hmm. little bit just to yeah. feel safe oh, and then shut good. the yeah yeah. And Always and I, I do have to say game. that you have a very literate audience because uh, someone just typed in the mind. And yes, this is a this is like a a, a precursor to the mind. It's like a non-card version of the card the mind. Um, and and some of our instructors, Jesse Fuchs, actually likes to uh, to use the mind instead of this exercise. But it's a similar collaboration. Um, That's our friend, the game designer Trey, also uh, Eric. Hi, Trey. Yeah. Trey's also got his hand up, so we may see him on stage in a minute. All right, let's um. So let's close our eyes and. You know, whoever the spirit moves up, five of us to, to, to speak. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Wow, we did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I think that means that we're in sync. <laughs> there was no cheating or practice there. Yeah. I just want to say. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I, I do think that, yeah, I do think that, yeah, five, five is on the easier side. More people. The more, more people, more, more voices. More people yeah. make it harder. Yeah, but that, that was really good. I we really took our time. That was also um, wait. I need to savor the moment of coming out of that because it's almost disappeared. But there was a. It was very meditative. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Um, that was really interesting to try. I mean, I was sort of trying to hear people breathe. You know, I know that's sort of weird, but I was sort of like kind of listening yeah. to like a sort of almost like a heartbeat of the group, if you will, and right. just going okay. I think it's time, you know? Right. <laughs> and I, I loved how there was a little kind of like, there was a little acceleration there, yeah. like um, six, seven, eight. Yeah. When <laughs> I think I said, back, like I might have said back six. Back yeah. And I was like, six. six. <laughs> <laughs> Get out fast. Get yeah. it. Yeah. That was fun. That was so funny. That and was we fun. did it. I okay, didn't. So, what, what I love about that game is that, oh, so he's, so normally when we think imagination, we're thinking, I'm picturing the castle in the clouds, right? So, but but this book really has games that span all kinds of ways of playing imaginatively with each other. So 
this is a game about imagination because we're we are kind of you're having you have to imagine the others right it's a way of connecting with other people um and we're we're constructing the space i love this game because it is so it is sort of a very formal game but it's also the opposite of formal right it's the opposite of like a a numbers sort of mathy game right but all, all we're doing is saying numbers exactly. it's yeah, it's so beautiful and elegant and it is it oh i haven't played that i've run that game a lot i haven't played it in a long time it is really meditative it's uh, so interesting it's um I, like i said trying to i think if you were like laying around a living room playing it it would be you'd hear the breaths and mm -hmm. everything but like um over zoom it was it was it was still managed to feel like i could feel you guys like okay right. i think some i anticipate someone's going to say something now you know it's super interesting. Should we invite a few more people up? Good, we should. Yes, let's. Okay. Well, now Trey's got a hand up, so Trey, you're coming in. Here you come. You, you're going to get promoted in a second. Uh, you should be here. And uh, Lance has a hand up, so Lance is coming in. I hope Trey's going to get a camera on. Okay, there. You here go. comes Trey. Okay, you has got a hand up. Yeah. And Ragav's got a hand up. Yeah. How many people Yay. should I promote? Alina's got a hand up. Okay, those are my hands that I've got. Is that enough, Eric? Okay. Is that enough? Uh, yeah, so hey, Alina. Alina's uh, at the NYU Game Center. Well. Wonderful. Yue is at, at uh, USC. And Ragav is uh, one of our former, one of our graduates uh, from, from USC. Uh, uh, so yeah, so okay. I, is this enough people for, for you, Eric? Plenty, yeah. Plenty, okay, okay, good, good. I'm glad I got everyone who put a hand up to, to, to come. Can we do, I don't know how much time we have, do we do like one quick Zen, uh, Zen counting? Yeah, maybe we should do that and then we'll do the second kind of one and the then we'll- Let the group settle into itself. Yeah, yeah, and then after we play games, guys, we're gonna have, we're gonna open for questions. So be thinking of questions in the okay. chat. Okay. Let's see if we can. There, so there's there's actually uh, ten of us. Let's see if we can make it to twenty. Oh, wow. <gasps> oh my goodness! Oh no! <laughs> the tension. We may not. Do not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. Uwe, you want to unmute Ragav? You want to unmute so we can make sure we, can we hear you. Muting, yeah. muting definitely uh, affects the. the yeah, game. it doesn't feel as much like you're there. So. Uwe, oh, also, how are you going to speak unless you? Yue, I think, might have frozen. Might have dropped, yeah. All right. Well, if Yue comes back in, then she, she can. can unmute yeah, and she can okay. Hopefully, Yue makes it back in. All right. Yay. Okay. I'm going to get comfortable here. I think we're playing. One. Two. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. it is harder with this many people. Okay, should we? So we start again, right? Yeah. Okay. One. Two. Three. Three. Is that at the same time? No, I kind of think so. I think it was. No. I, think it was. I mean, yeah. three. I'm sorry. Three followed by three is a is. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a same time. Okay. <laughs> rewind moment oh, oh ua is coming back good 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 okay. okay let's try again one 
That was beautiful. That was Bernie. <laughs> the game gets better. It's Bernie. There's a temple outside. Was it a temple it. bell, Margo? Yeah, it was it a was temple bell. Perfect. I declare this game perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's yeah. try it one more time. Let's try one. Yeah, one. We got the one. Yeah. One, two. Three. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Wow. With just temple bells, I think. Yes. Right. Yes. If we all had temple bells, it would be absolutely perfect. Wow. So Tracy, all right. So we, I love it. So we, 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 we thought we were masters of that game, and it's just, it's, it's like almost impossible with so many people. Should we go to the next yeah, let's, game? Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. So, lovely. so, so the 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 next game is. Um, uh, just a very simple game. It's almost not a game, but it is very playful. It's a playful experience, yeah. right? right? And it's called Sound Travel, okay? And we're supposed to, like like the last game, we're supposed to lie down and close our eyes, but again, this time we'll, we'll just close our eyes on Zoom, right? And so as Bernie says about this game, he says, some games are so mellow, so laid back, that people are prone, so to speak, to take short naps while playing. Um, this game is like that. Everyone's seeing Jane. Jane is like- I'm gonna get out. my yoga mat. Her, her recliner, right? Um, so for, for sound travel, all we do is we lie down or we sit around with our eyes closed, okay? And all we're gonna do in this game is make noises. So prepare yourself, noises are going to be made, okay? <laughs> so the way it works is that one player is going to suggest a theme like for example, a day in the life of an iron worker or a teacher or a parent or a baby or a crocodile, a meteoroid, or we could suggest um, something like a trip to Rio or the evolution of man, um, the moon landing, Armageddon, that wouldn't be a hard one to imagine right now. Um, and once we've agreed on the theme, then the players are going to just start making noises with their mouths and their bodies. Um, and these are the sounds of the journey or the event or the, the time that, we, the, the, that we've chosen for our theme. So Bernie says, there is no point or purpose. The goal is somehow to agree on when and where you are and all end together, okay? So we need a theme. Do <laughs> Change. Just <laughs> I'm getting into it. I, I, I need a I need a screenshot. I, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt the flow of this for a screenshot of Jane. Jane <laughs> <laughs> is laying down in the Zoom. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we need a theme. Um, does anybody have a theme that they'd like to suggest? I have a backup theme, uh, but um, I'd love it if if folks had a, a theme. Uh, yeah, or people in the chat can suggest it. Yeah, people in the chat. I I think Trey is Trey is onto something. I was okay. I was gonna say the lesser player's tale. At play, the lesser player's tale. It's Jason Morningstar just did a great new game with Lizzie Stark that was on my mind. But it's a, just do something else. That doesn't mean anything. It's anyone. not resonate. It's not resonating. It's not resonating. <laughs> That was My better idea. than smoky dystopia. Oh, okay. Well, that's, oh, we can do smoky dystopia. We can do smoky no, dystopia. no, I'm already done. This is what I have on my desktop. This is 
We have this is things. my like very rare copy of Eric's game Life in the Garden, Ooh. which I also which I thought would be a, a interesting theme. But I'm up for smoking dystopia, by the way. Just sort of well, space travel, travel is in the chat also. Space travel. We also could do more than one. So let's just pick one yeah. and get going. I like space travel. Okay. Utopian space travel. Utopian space travel. You guys want to do utopian space travel? With dinosaurs. Okay, so we're gonna lay back. And we're going to, whenever you, the, whenever the, it feels right for you, we're going to make noises, okay? Blast off. Beep, boop. Nice. I think we have, I feel like we have concluded our space travel. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I really Actually, it was really places. peaceful space travel. Well, it was, it was utopian space it travel. Was utopian yeah. space I kept on thinking. Really utopian. Can we get a red alert? No, because it's somehow utopian. Yeah, we did have some seeds of, uh, of, uh, bad AIs and and um, uh, and lost soldiers in the space, but um, it was very peaceful. Strangely enough, it was pe more peaceful than Zen counting. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I like so Charon's. We could either do another game or we can invite questions. We only have like eight minutes left, or eight, like maybe ten minutes left since we started a little late. So. I, I feel like maybe we want to ask um, folks for questions. Does anybody who's already up here on stage have a question for, for Eric? And then I'll just ask for other people to put their hands up. Um, does anybody on, on stage have a question or, or anyone uh, in, the, in the audience? Maybe the game here is to make everybody in the audience finally become a panelist as we invite them each up. Right. <laughs> I have a multiplayer variants. Rogov? I have a question, and, and it could be for Eric, it could be for anybody who knew Bernie. I'm just wondering what his stage persona was like. Like, if he, like I feel like he was on maybe on stage a lot, and I just wonder what that was like, because I've, I've never seen him. Um, I, I, I can't answer that. Uh, I'll just tell one, one of my kind of learnings from, from interacting with Bernie, um, and that we all have a tendency 
us, us game designers and people maybe making games, testing games, producing games, selling games, sharing games with our friends, uh, that when you're like, when you're explaining a game to your friends, you, you know, the, the rules are like the worst part. It's like, oh my gosh, here's a new board game. It's really fun. Just trust me. Got to explain this and the setup and the shuffle the cards and, you know, move this around. And so there's a sense of it's like, oh my gosh, the rules are so painful. Let's just get through them and get, get to the play. And so I, I have that instinct. And often that sometimes I'm like rushing an explanation or trying to get past it. Bernie was really the opposite. So when he was explaining a game, one of these playground games, he would, he would so take his time with the rules. Like he would like, you know, but because the rule, the, the explanation of the game was part of the weaving of the spell. So he would talk about games where like three of us would make a creature together. Like, okay, we're going to make a giraffe. The person in the middle goes like this and the people on the sides go like this and this. And then together we're a three person draft. And he would. I'm gonna be the porcupine. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. And so then he would. Then he would make people practice and make people practice again. And then later on, we would make another giraffe, right? And he hadn't even gotten to starting the game yet. But there was a way that um, he really took his time in kind of like bringing us into the, the the kind of state of play. And that that that's one aspect of his stage persona, which is which has always resonated for me. That for him, it's like, it wasn't like get through the rules to the game. It just was all play, right? Oh, we're here in a circle. We're already playing. Let's, let's play around with the rules. Let's, let's figure out how this game works. I guess we're, we're doing something else now. We're starting to play with it. Let's change it, you know? So it was really kind of part, part of his whole way of being. I don't know if someone else has another, another answer for that, that question. Um, wait, I, uh, Ratan Sita? I, I I promoted you so you could ask your question. Are you still there? Did you leave us? No? Uh, yes, I am here. Oh, okay. Um, oh, you changed your name. Okay, can, uh, uh, yeah, can you sorry. ask your question, please? <laughs> <laughs> I joined from my wife account. Okay, <laughs> so okay, Ivan then. changed my okay. name. Hi, everyone. So I wanted to ask, how did you guys think a book like this and the concepts we have been talking about could impact areas such as education? Mm. Um, well, I think that, yeah, does someone else want to comment on that? I could talk about that, but maybe, so there's some other educators that are up here that maybe want to talk about that too. Why don't you take a crack at it? We'll add, we'll add to it if, uh, okay. if yeah. I, yeah, I guess I, I guess I can say that, you know, Bernie, I, being an educator is one of the things I think that the identities that 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 Bernie um, embodied, and you know, I I I think, yeah, I'm, I I I think to him, um, the the lessons of the game are kind of uh, deeply applicable to the way that people interact. You know, I'm actually trying to think. I don't, I, Bernie was less interested in explicitly educational applications, like. Can I like, jump yeah, in yeah, a bit yeah, on this, Eric? Because I think what's beautiful about, it, you always talk about not making games uh, instruments of education, right? Not right. instrumentalizing the game and saying that the game, um, you know, essentially must teach something, right? Um, and I think that that's inherent in the way that Bernie's work approaches the play experience as not 
opportunity to teach you something, but as an opportunity to trigger learning within you, right? right. To trigger learning opportunities within you. And that's why I, I really actually do think he was a brilliant educator. I mean, he started in education, right? And, right. and theater combined, which is, it's, it, there's this sense that somehow by getting people to perform things that we learn by that performance and that that performance engenders uh, new ideas, which is the essence of learning, right? And, right? and play does this. Play makes us, you know, it makes us stretch and grow. Sometimes it hurts a little bit, right? right. And and that's the beauty of playing for, for learning as right. opposed to learning. Um, right. So the, the, the idea is that a game isn't something that injects you with, with factual information. <laughs> exactly. it's, a, it's a situation that, you know, that engenders... Um, self-knowledge or knowledge of, of other people or knowledge of the world uh, exactly. or, or creativity. So it's, 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 it's putting someone in a situation that sort of challenges them in a playful way. Which I just love. And I think brings in a way brings his, his uh, sort of identity full circle from being a teacher and being a, a, a game designer and a, and a theorist back to teaching and they're all this loop that feed you know feed right. upon each other right and actually the chapter the chapter on games and games and work um is which is called what is it the working imagination or the, yeah. Imagination yeah, the working work. imagination yeah um that you know he he talks about the idea that like he's quote scientists and talks about how you know, to, yeah. to do science deeply, you're really, it's really a form of play. Like yeah, if, he talks if, about Feynman and he talks about some other, yeah, other wonderful uh, people as inspirations for how the creativity is a part of work, right? And and creativity is a part of play and these things overlap and, and right. bringing our playful imagination right. to work. And I know it all sounds very foofy and soft and, you know, we're in this era of standardized testing and this sort of like, I would say 19th century idea of knowledge that's, you know, that's kind of like quantitative, but the truth is that to solve this sort of complex problems of today, that this, this, this is the kind of creative playful thinking that we need because being playful just means finding new uses for, for things. And, and, and basically it's about out of the box thinking from, you know, from the get go. Um, so it's really Ray had a hand up too. So, yeah. So I, 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 I mean, I think this is a beautiful question. Thank you for asking it. Mm. Thank you, guys. Yeah, can't wait to um, get the book. Thank you for this introduction. Uh, I'm a LARPer and I'm a LARP designer. I'm going to change the subject ever so slightly. I only discovered your essay, Jerked Around by the Magic Circle, this year. And my question is, like, how well do you feel that has aged? Do you have any changes that you would make to that, your thoughts on that? Oh, okay. So this is a whole new Whole this different, is, whole different question. It's okay if this line. is outside the bounds of the seminar. <laughs> uh, the all right, I'll I'll take that one quickly. But yeah, I, I I think I think I like that that essay came out of an experience of Katie Salen and I collaborated on a book called Rules of Play, and one of the one of the ideas that like really came strongly out of that was the um, uh, this idea of the magic circle, which is an which is very related to sort of Bernie's ideas. When I talked about him bringing people into a state of play, the magic circle is this idea that play is a special place. Um, uh, that it is that sort of creative situation, right? Um, but it also became the magic circle became the sort of boogeyman within people studying games uh, to say that like, well, there is no magic circle. Play isn't separate from life. And I'll, even though Katie and I 
never really supported that idea. Nobody ever really did. It sort of became this kind of uh, uh, this sort of ritual of of being in graduate school to write a paper debunking the magic circle. So that 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 essay was was in response to that. I I, I think the phenomenon of the magic circle being like uh, the magic circle of debunking the magic circle that that I think has sort of faded away. So it may not be quite as necessary as a corrective. But yeah, I that that essay still embodies my like sort of radically relativist idea of um, of, of truth and game design, which is that which is that. Truth is utility. If something is helpful for you to solve a problem, it's useful, and that you know that people shouldn't sort of like brittly hold on to rigid ideas about what games are and what play is. Bernie is that, would appreciate that, of course, yeah. right? That we shouldn't we shouldn't just you know say this is what it is. That right. that would not function in Bernie's universe. Um, I have they have two two more questions, and then I think we'll we'll call it an evening. But uh, so wrong had a question. I promoted you, and then you weigh. So wrong. Okay, I'm gonna go first. So uh, what were the goals while you're playing the Zen number and the making some game? So what's the difference did you feel between them as a player? So anyone who played this game can yeah, answer someone this else. question. Yeah. They had a very similar feeling for me. Was someone else gonna answer? Uh, uh, so wrong, I think that's a great question. Um, I First, I think you should play this game. Maybe we'll play it in thesis class, um, both of them. But for me, I felt that the the numbers question made me much more attuned and aware of taking up space. Whereas, right, where you're like, I, I don't want to take up too much space. I want to listen for other people and give them space. Whereas the um, spaceship one was much more, we're additive. Like we're adding on, we're right, layering. Right, right. It's harmony rather than sort of note by note by note. I kept enjoying some of the other sounds and then I, I would be like, well, I just want to be quiet for a minute so I can enjoy. Yeah, right. And then, and then I'd want to add a little something and maybe, you know, respond to a something. Um, so yeah, it, it was more like jamming music. Right. Um, they had a similar feel because we had our eyes closed and, and, and there, you know, there was also a sense of listening for other people, but I found the Zen one to be maybe a little slightly more stressful. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to. It's hard to say, right? But it's I, that game's a little more giggly. It's a little more like you know, <laughs> knock a, knock about. Where the, uh, the second game is like a, I think a collaborative piece of experience design, and definitely took me on a on a journey. Very good question. And Lance, I'm really interested in your comment in the chat that that game reminded you of chance choreography and dance and improv. Yeah, like. Um, because I took like performing arts classes um, in high school and like they would have us do activities um, like for like example improv you would have to like um, it was very much like the space game I'm, that we decided on where like you would pick a scene and then you have to like build off of it um, and then in dance like the chance choreography where basically you like decide what moves you're going to put in the dance based off of like really random things like like oh if I hear um, if I hear the neighbor's lawnmower, then I'll like jump or something. So it just like reminded me of that. And I think that's right, right. like, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, you wait, you had a final question. And then I want to make sure we, we um, have a couple of closing thoughts and thank yous. Yeah. So I have this question about the sense of play in the digital time. Because for right now, we're designing board games or we're playing the Zen game. It's more like how the interaction between players and the bond between players determines how well the games are played. 
So as far as I understand, it's all about players. But for right now, especially for single player digital games or video games, like how would you describe the sense of play within that? Is it like the interaction between play and the system or visual or sound? So that's my question. Does anyone want to comment? Excellent question. Yeah. I'm curious to hear anyone's take on this, but I am interested to hear your take on this, Eric. I have thoughts about it too. Um, Eric, do you want to answer or shall I? Uh, well, I'll just say something small, which I think that, um, you know, the a, a lot of thinking about, about play is always about expanding our, our frame of reference. And I think that the structure of this book starts with the individual and other people and then creativity and then the world, right? So it's also about where, where do we want to stretch and include that? When I think about digital games in um, 2020, you know, it's it's hard to think about it as just like, you know, one one person and and the system, right? Or or a person and a machine. Um, I I think immediately about the whole the whole kind of culture of games of streamers and reviewers of um, of arguments and social media of you know making gifts out of games and fan culture and sharing and emoticons, level design and sharing and you know like user generated content and so to me like that's that's one way of looking at it is just kind of expanding the frame and saying yeah if you if you if you focus in on like as tracy said uh, i think you said that like there's a lot of this kind of uh when we said earlier like sort of grinding yeah the, this kind of engagement loop yeah so you focus in really tightly on that it's true that it, it can be it can feel stifling but i think if you also if you expand it and think about you know sort of a bigger frame. There's there's a lot of play going on. I, I would agree with that. I I think that um, it's very clear in the book, and I think I even mentioned it in my my essay in the book is that it's 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 important to not think of the digital object or the any of the trappings of the um, the game as the game. Um, the game includes the player. Right. So, so, so it's important not to focus in on the sort of artifacts of play. It's important not to fetishize those. It's important to actually think of um, the player as being inclusive of right. that entire experience. Right. What James, what James Paul G calls the little G game, which is like, okay, the system you're poking and the, the big G game, which includes me, the game, the player, my context, my, you know, way to hear about it. If I like, if I if I say to hey Tracy I want you to play this try out this game I'm playing already it's like what's at play here the game is just like part of a larger social exchange right what's so, at play is that you've asked me to play it right and then right. we're going to compare notes and talk about it right and and that's really important to me one of the concerns that I have but just honestly as a as a player and as a designer is that um, the way that digital games are structured we have offloaded the um, social contract of play to the digital masters uh, that, that are the sort of mm -hmm. AIs of games, right? right. And, and I think that's a very human thing to practice, this practicing of the social contract that, that takes place when we, for example, played our Zen counting game, or, you know, there's this um, constant checking and checking in with each other. That's a critical thing that we need to practice as human beings that if we offload too much of that to a digital AI um, okay. and, and make that the focus of our play, that we begin to lose practice of the essence of what makes us able to be humans, yeah. 
not just as individuals, but together. And you, I, it reminds me, you know, Cory Doctorow has this new book out about surveillance capitalism. It really, the games that kind of instrumentalize human interaction in order to like suck, suck virtual quarters out of our pockets. It's like the game version of surveillance capitalism, you know? It is a problem. It's definitely it a problem. But yeah. we can, but I think as designers, if we keep our eye on the the, the big G and the and the 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 sort of play within the the player, right? right? I think that's that's what we want to that's what we want to do. That's okay. I think the challenge here for us. And I think this is why Tracy, you and I, and you know, Jane and Richard at USC. I think there's more you and and Jacob, others, other USC people here, Alina and I at, at NYU. Our approach to games at these institutions. We do Bernie DeCoven games, right? I mean, we we and do Celia practice. too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Celia and Holly, like, yeah, especially Holly. That's her whole, yeah. Yeah, her that's whole, her whole thing. Yeah. We we practice these these in person games. You know, we're I don't want to I don't want to instrumentalize play and say that it's only valuable because we're getting some kind of social skill from it. But it but but it's it it is it's a way of being that reconnects us to each other. I think that is a final. That is a fine and place to have our final statement for this evening. Um, what a really wonderful gift this has been to have you here, Eric, and to um, have Bernie's book and to have these games to play and to have these thoughts to think. Yes, beautiful. Really, uh, thank you so much, Eric, for for coming and visiting Playthink. We'll have to have you back another time and uh, play some more. Thank you, Eric. It's been really terrific. Thank you. Thanks. Wonderful. If everyone, could, if everyone could, if everyone can unmute the themselves and the panelists, and give Eric a hand. Yeah, unmute.